We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles. This is Kyle Madsen, Chris Biederman, uh, having some technical issues, so he is taking the night off, a well-deserved night off for Chris. He's done every single one of these pods, while well, I have not. So, shout out to Chris, uh, getting the night off. Joining me, though, is Nick Wagner, the 49ers reporter for ESPN. Uh, you, Nick, you've been on this podcast once or twice already. I, this is my second appearance. I believe last time you were buying a salad. Yes, uh, and so yes that's correct. So, so, so you're a little busy. Uh, I don't know if Biederman is buying a salad tonight or not, but uh, yeah, I, it is important that he gets a night off because I'm sure he's very busy these days. So. I can't, given the fact that he's gone to Gilroy and Costco once already today, <laughs> I doubt he's I doubt he's going out salad buying. It's a complicated <laughs> process, salad acquisition. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah, you got to get a pro for, approved for the loan and all that yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I've got to pay a mortgage on this salad that I that I purchased. <laughs> no, so uh, there's kind of an awkward dead period here between free agency and the NFL draft. So we wanted to get on and talk to you about just what the 49ers have done in free agency so far. We'll get into the draft 
uh, coming up a little bit later. But uh, the big move, obviously, the DeForest Buckner trade, they, they send Buckner to the Colts for the number 13 pick. Uh, on the surface, well, first of all, I want your reaction to that deal because it felt like it really came out of nowhere. Did it come as out of nowhere for you or had you kind of heard rumblings that something like that might happen? I, it, it caught me off guard a little bit. I mean, I, I think that in the couple days leading up to it, I had started to hear a couple things, but it's still kind of in, in my heart of hearts. You, you don't think the Niners are going to make a move like that. If for no other reason than when you're looking at guys who you're going to pay that type of a contract to, DeForest Buckner probably checks all the boxes. He's he's beloved in the locker room. He's the, the hardest working guy. He's a, he's a really good player. All those things, he checks that box. I think the only thing that kind of ultimately worked against him, you know, the price relative to the position that he plays. And if you're going to pay a guy $20-plus million a year, in general, it needs to be a quarterback or a guy who's going to knock the quarterback down, and, and that meaning more of an edge rusher, not necessarily an inside guy. So uh, I was definitely taken aback by it a little bit, uh, just in the, in the sense that I thought he was a guy they wanted to build around. I think there had been some signs over the past year or so when they first started negotiations and they couldn't get something done, and you, you kind of saw the writing on the wall in that way. But still, at the end of the day, Kyle, I, I was surprised by the move. Yeah, it felt like a, a real shock at first, but then you you start digging into it a little bit like you just did, and you start looking at, had you gone into the offseason, this is kind of how I looked at it, had you gone into the offseason and said, the number 13 pick is going to be available, just which 49ers players are you not giving up for that 13th pick? And I don't think DeForest Buckner would have been on my list of guys I'm not giving up. So for me... I I thought, like I said, once I got past the initial shock of they traded a guy that Joe Staley compared to Frank Gore 12 months ago, uh, I, I I think it turned out to be a pretty good deal for the Niners. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is is you can't just look at it in, in a vacuum of saying, oh, the, the, the Niners traded DeForest Buckner for the 13th pick. It's, it's DeForest Buckner at that price. For right. the 13th pick, and then also the ability to, to keep Eric Armstead, the extra flexibility you get that way. So when you when you look at the big picture of it, you do understand their thinking. And and the thing is, is and I've written about this, and, and I remember talking to Kyle Shanahan in his office the first year he was here. And one of the things he was talking about is the idea of sustaining success. Like once you get to that point where you're good, trying to extend that window for as long as possible and if you look at the way the Niners are set up right now, they had to do a couple of things. And, and that, mean, that means making hard choices sometimes, you know. That means, that means doing things you don't want to do. And I think that if you look at the way the Niners did it compared to, say, the Rams, which, you know, just down the road, a very different approach where they said, we're just going to keep adding stars and keep paying, keep paying, keep paying. And then you see this offseason, the, the, the place that they were in, and I think most people would argue their window has closed, where you look at the Niners and you think, yeah, that's going to be tough to replace DeForest Buckner because in a vacuum, I'm not trading him for the 13th pick, but it isn't in that vacuum. It's it's in that big picture of how can you extend this window to win, and I think that's how the Niners viewed this. Yeah, and I think I think that's a great point because it's Buckner for the 13th pick plus the room to sign Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward, and they still have $14 million in cap space to work with moving forward. I just I, I think that added flexibility plus the pick plus being able to retain a couple of the more important guys on the defense. That's just, I, I think that's any smart team. Uh, Kevin Clark from the ringer called it good business 
And I think that's I think that's right. I think that's the right way to look at it. Yeah, and I, and I think I mean there's there's so many different ways you could kind of you could cut the pie up and, and look at it. You could say you know even if you just because I've seen people say well it's it's Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner and in some no. sense it is, but it's also all those other things you just talked about and 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 adding that thirteenth pick where you're not getting the thirteenth pick, you're not getting a first round pick for Eric Armstead. And from what I was told, I'm I'm not sure they were going to get a second round pick either. At that point, you're looking at, well, if you let him go, maybe you get a three as a compensatory pick. If you don't, or if you try to trade him as a tagged guy, maybe you get a third round pick that way. That would be a little earlier than a compensatory pick. But at the end of the day, that's kind of the trade off that you have. And that $4 million per year salary, you could look at it like this. You could say George Kittle or Austin Hooper. I'm sorry. Austin Hooper just got paid $10.5 million. Let's say George Kittle is going to make fourteen and a half million dollars. Yeah. Well, that extra four million dollars that you that you didn't spend on DeForest Buckner and you did spend on Eric Armstead, now you can put that towards the difference to make George Kittle the highest paid tight end in the league. I mean, there's so many different ways you can look at it, but that's just one example of why I think the Niners uh, ended up going this route. Well, and ultimately, I mean, we can we can sit here and talk about all the cap room and all the other guys they were able to sign until we're blue in the face, but big picture, long term the the value of this trade is going to rely on what happens with the number 13 pick. If they if they draft a complete bust with that pick who never contributes, it's going to be uh, Buckner for the 13th pick and DeForest Buckner might be Bryant Young. You know, they might have just yeah. traded a Hall of Famer for for essentially nothing, but where do you think they go uh with that 13th pick then with that in mind? Uh, do you think they trade back, or, or are you thinking they they're eyeing a certain position? What's your what's your general feel for for what they want to do at that spot? Yeah, I I think Kyle, you know, they are in a position, and and John Lynch, if you watch the video, it was I think it was last week that that he put out on on Twitter where he you know was thanking people for for all that they're doing and sacrificing all that, and he kind of gave his little draft spiel, and he said this draft is huge for us, and it's funny to think about. When you talk about a team that's coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and say, oh, this draft is huge. Because usually if you're picking 31 or 32, you're just maybe you're adding more talent to the roster. Maybe you're moving down. You're, you're doing whatever. But for the Niners, they need to nail this. And they particularly need to nail that 13th pick because as we sit here right now, I think we could all reasonably agree. Uh, if you look at their roster, they're worse than they were you know, the Sunday before free agency started. You subtract Buckner, you subtract Sanders. So where is the big addition going to be, the big influx of talent? It's got to be from that draft. And if you're looking at it reasonably, you're saying 13 is the spot where they should, at least in theory, get their best player. Now, we know that obviously they've had some success in later rounds and all that kind of thing. But when I look at this draft, I think for the Niners, it's 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 a good mix of what they need and who the best players are. And so I don't think they're necessarily tied into they have to draft a receiver or they have to draft a defensive tackle or anything like that. I think it's just a matter of you let it come to you. I think uh, from people I've talked to around the league, they think it's a 15 to 17 guys, something like that roughly, who are legitimate, definite first-round guys. And then after that, you're going to get into a glut of guys who are you know late first, second-round type guys that are all very similar, kind of lumped in together. So I think if you're the Niners right now, you're looking at – uh, whatever falls to 13, the best player who is either a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, a cornerback, or a defensive tackle. And, you know, that's pretty much saying you're going best player available because that's a lot of positions that yeah. I just named. So that's kind of that's kind of the spot that I think they're in right now, and I, I don't think they need to force it. I think they just need to make sure that they're getting someone who can provide immediate impact while also giving long-term future. 
Yeah, I think the the example I've been using is the 2012 draft where they didn't have a single player from that draft finish their rookie contract with the team and only a handful of the guys even finished their rookie contracts in the NFL. And it's not a coincidence that a couple years after that, they fell apart. So this this is a draft where, I mean, yeah, if they can get a number one wide receiver or a dominant DeForest Buckner-like defensive tackle, it'd be great. But ultimately, they just need somebody who can contribute. Yeah. And I think that's I, I think that's going to be the most the most important thing. But something you said there that I thought was interesting was you you said the people you talk to say it's a 15 to 17 player draft. So do you think the Niners essentially no matter what stay at 13? Because I was thinking if they're top, let's say, uh, let's say Javon Kinlaw, Jerry Judy and Tristan Wirf. So those are the three guys that Chris and I have kind of been talking about. Sure. Let's say those three guys are off the board. Do you foresee them maybe trading back if there's a team that wants to move up, if a quarterback's sliding or or whatever it may be? Or do you think they stick at 13 and just, like you said, go best player available? I think it's an interesting scenario, Kyle, because we all talk about 31 as the as the spot that they're going to trade out of. And I, I still would be very surprised if they don't trade out of that. But to your point, if you're getting to that range where teams start seeing it as, you know, we got to get into that range of those 15 to 17 guys. However, you know, every team, of course, has them ranked differently, but there's a guy who's maybe slipping that they think is in that range and they can move up without having to, to, to mortgage the farm. But the Niners have a couple of options. They can, you know, maybe move back a couple of spots, three spots, whatever, and still get one of those picks. Then, then maybe, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled that. And, you know, you're seeing a lot right now of momentum, at least in the, in the public space, which the public space with the draft is always far different than how the teams view guys, of course. Yeah, but, very much. But, but, but one thing I think, you know, sometimes that's just a matter of catching up. And, and I think there is an element of that. And I'm seeing a lot more of like Jordan Love, for example. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people viewed him as a first round pick, but I think you're starting to see him kind of elevate into that top 12 to 15 range. And that could make the Niners a position in a position where they could potentially move down. And let's say, that one of they say Dredrick Wills and Henry Ruggs. I'm just throwing out two examples of guys who sure. are in that. You know, say those two guys are both there when the Niners pick, and they could move back to 15, and somebody's moving up, you know, 15 or 16 for you know Jordan Love or whatever. Uh, you know, and there's just there's different ways that that could play out that I think that maybe they would have to look at it is so long as they could come away with one of those guys because I think they're the biggest danger for them is is walking out of this draft and having guys who they like their future but they don't necessarily provide them what they need right now because they're still in their Super Bowl window and they need to find a way to try to jump through that thing here sometime soon. So I've been kind of treating, speaking of trading back, I've kind of been treating the 31st pick as a second round pick and some other stuff. I, I just, <laughs> I, I can't imagine they, if they stay at 13, I can't imagine they stay at 31 knowing they don't have a pick in rounds two, three or four. Are, are you feeling the same way or do you foresee them staying at 31 and maybe trying to grab another first round talent. Yeah, the only the only scenario I, I see that makes sense for them to stay at thirty one is if one of those fifteen to seventeen types of guys, whoever they're fifteen to seventeen are, if that's indeed how they have it, if one of those types of guys falls to thirty one, I think then you have to to really strongly consider it where you could say, Hey, maybe we can walk out with two of these guys and we've got two instant impact types of players. Chances are that's not gonna happen. And if that's the case, then absolutely I think they should move down. And quite frankly, Kyle, I think I just think they should move down multiple times if they can, uh, you know, depending on how big yeah. that first move would be, just because they they really, really need to find a way to replenish this roster with young, cost-effective talent. And they've been very good. I mentioned it earlier. They've been very good in those kind of mid to late rounds where whether it's Fred Warner in the third, obviously Kittle is a great example, Drake Greenlaw last year. 
but they really need to get some guys in there. And it's not just for this year. It is, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea of extending the window for as long as possible. And if you look at next year, just the sheer amount of guys that they have that are scheduled to be free agents, and they're going to have a good amount of cap space because those guys are free agents, but they still got to spend a lot of that to keep who they want. And you're going to, you're looking at big deals coming for Kittle. You've got Fred Warner. You know, if Richard Sherman wants to continue to play for, for two or three more years, which he has indicated in the past that that's about his time frame, he's not going to be cheap. Uh, you know, Mike McGlinchey's coming in a couple of years. That, that Debo Samuel will be, you know, a little bit down the line. Of course, Nick Bosa, you know, those are way down the line, but, just next year alone and in the next two years, they're going to have some big deals they're going to have to pay out. And the best way to kind of replenish your roster, obviously, is through the draft. And particularly if you can do it in those middle rounds where the cost is is way, way below even what the first round is. You indicated this a little bit earlier, but I want to I want to dig a little deeper on it. What do you think their top like four needs are uh, going into the draft, knowing what we know? now based on what we've seen in free agency yeah i mean i think i think it's definitely it's definitely wide receiver it's offensive line it's defensive line and i i i know that's very general and generic to say but like sure i think i think you're just looking at who are the best guys on those spots because obviously d tackle a three technique is is what you're really looking for on the d line but None of us would argue if they said, "Hey, we need to we need to find another edge rusher, right?" I mean, that's sure. Yeah. I think I think you know, an offensive line. I think we'd all say, in the, in a perfect world, they can find a future left tackle who could also play guard. But you know, but if it means at thirty one or a trade down, they could get a, a really good guard slash center. That would be okay too. So they need that, and then and then I would throw in cornerback, and and that doesn't even account for safety. I was I'm trying not to be too just generic with the with the positions, but uh, you know safety is another spot that after corner you're looking long term. I mean at, at corner you got Sherman, Witherspoon, Kwan Williams, all free agents after this year. Jakowski Tart is is up after this year. So uh, th- there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it, and again it's kind of finding that balance between. Who's going to be the guy that could come in and help right away, but is also giving us some level of upside uh, further down the line and could be a guy who steps in where, hey, we've got this guy on a, you know, say it's a second round contract at a fraction of the cost of what it would pay to keep, say, Jaquaski Tart. And that may not be something you want to do, but it may just be something that you're forced to do because you've got other guys you've got to pay. Yeah, the the cornerback need is interesting for me because – they they have they showed last year that they're going to invest time in their in their players and that they're going to let like they brought back Jimmy Ward and they mm-hmm. started him as soon as he was healthy they started Akello Witherspoon to fight despite the fact he was so up and down last year now with Emmanuel Mosley and Akello Witherspoon coming into camp this year do you I, I I can't see them using a early pick on a corner knowing that they still have those two guys who are going to be battling for a starting job I just I I mean unless like Jeff Okuda or something crazy falls sure. to thirteen, I just I can't imagine they they use a pick early just based on how we've seen them operate uh, with the guys that they have on their roster and letting them uh, win starting jobs. And, and and I agree with you, Kyle. And I think it's the position that you know it is a need, but it's more of the long term need than it is the who's going to help us right away type of mm-hmm. need. And I think that's really kind of where the rubber meets the road on this thing. And to your point. Yeah, if Okuda were somehow to fall, and I was actually watching, uh, I think it was CBS Sports was doing a, a mock draft on YouTube, and it was like a two-and-a-half-hour thing. So tells you that what I'm doing with my life these days on quarantine. But Sounds like uh, a blast. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was great fun. But it, it was crazy 
because they had a scenario in their scenario in their mock draft where Okuda and Judy were both there at 13 for the Niners. And Whoa. Yeah, I was I was surprised by that, and I think that's very, very unlikely. But, hey, it's the draft. We've seen crazier things happen. So, uh, you know, I, I think if that were the scenario, then the Niners would have to strongly – consider it but I also think that when you're when you're kind of you you always want your pick to be the right combination of need and talent right you in a perfect world the best player available just so happens to play a position that you need we saw that last year with Nick Bosa absolutely and and I think in this case short of Okuda I don't think there is a corner that necessarily fits that fits that mold for the Niners at you know in that 13 range I I think there are enough corners in the draft that would be kind of that late first early second round types of guys that fit that mold and I know CJ Henderson from Florida is a guy that uh, that people look at and say well he's going to be there at 13 and I, I just don't know if he's the right fit uh, in terms of some of the things and, and you know talking to scouts and things there's questions about his ability to help in the run and is, is he physical enough is he consistent enough those those types of things where if you're putting him up against say say it is a Jerry Judy which I personally think Judy is is phenomenal, and he would be an ideal fit for the 49ers. I know yeah. you. And, I know you and Chris are on the on the same boat on that. I personally also think it would be surprising if he falls to 13. But but I but I do I do believe that uh, I do believe that corner is not necessarily the position that makes sense when you're trying to marry those two things uh, between need and best available talent together. Now you mentioned edge rusher, and I'm of the mind that that adding to a strength is not necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but I also watched D Ford battle injuries basically all year and he's relatively easy to cut next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, salary cap wise. Is that, is that looking too far down the road? I don't think so. And it's, it's interesting you bring that up Kyle. Cause uh, Chris, can, Chris can vouch for this. He and I've had the conversation a few times where when we were going into this free agent period, I was asked multiple times by you know various radio stations or whatever, like, is there a way for the Niners to keep both Buckner and Armstead? And one thing I thought that was possible, obviously it didn't play out that way, and I think ultimately Buckner's price just got beyond what the Niners were willing to pay regardless. Yeah. But, but I do think that if his number had been a little bit lower, the way that they would look at it was if they were going to, they would re-sign Armstead, have a lower cap number on him this year, which is what they did, but then next year, his number would go way up, and the trade-off there would probably be at the expense of D. Ford, most likely, uh, because they could still get, they could get out of it a lot cheaper and still get another year of having kind of the band together on that defensive line. Now, it didn't play out that way, but I, but I do think, to your point, if you're looking at edge rusher right now, obviously the Niners have put a, a great value on that. They want their defensive line to be kind of the, the engine that revs this whole thing. And if you're looking at them right now and saying, well, when did their defense drop off? At the end of the year, it was Ronald Blair got hurt. D Ford was hurt. They yeah. were real. They were really struggling. It was, it was, it was the rotation and it was the top guys. And so I, I definitely think when you're looking at it, and this is not a great class of edge rushers, but I do think that edge rusher is going to be a need for this team probably sooner than it is later. And by that, I mean, within the next year or two. Yeah, I I think that's right as well. And also, it's worth noting Joey Bosa, free agent next year. I'm not. I'm just. I'm throwing it out there. Uh, I I I didn't. An, really... an original thought of yours, I'm sure too. You said what? An, an original thought of yours, I'm sure that the yeah. whole Bosa brothers thing. You just came up with that. Yeah, I just came up with that all by myself. I was just looking through <laughs> contracts and I said, "Whoa, Joey Bosa." 
Uh, no, uh, <laughs> that's gonna be a thing, uh, like all all year into next off season until the Chargers tag him or whatever. Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly like the Chargers are just gonna. Oh, you want to play with your brother? Well, by all means, go go to go to San Francisco and play for the head coach who wouldn't even let his assistant coach go coach with his brother. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be good. <laughs> uh, so something I want to bring up. Just it's been such a such a huge storyline this off season was. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers kind of, uh, quote unquote, uh, interest in Tom Brady, I guess. Uh, where do you stand with the 49ers and Garoppolo knowing that, again, you talk about they can cut D Ford for cheap next year, Jimmy Garoppolo on the same type of deal. Where does Garoppolo stand in your mind with this organization? I mean, I, I think they're obviously committed to him. The question is, how big is that commitment? How long is that going to last? And I think there's still questions. I mean, if we're just being completely honest about it, I think that the Niners want to see how Jimmy can do with a full year under his belt, with adding some more weapons around him, which I think they're likely to do here in, in the first round probably of this draft most likely, or at least early in the draft, and then get some of those guys back, the Jalen Hurds, the Trent Taylors, uh, and then and then really try to get a full picture of, of where he is and, and what they have there. But I, I, I don't think that they're in a position, I don't think it's any coincidence, I'll put it like this, I don't think there's any coincidence that they didn't restructure Jimmy Garoppolo and that they didn't yeah. restructure D Ford's contracts where they were moving salary or I'm sorry, moving, uh, you know, salary into signing bonus that extends the, you know, what the, the hits would be if they were to part ways with someone. Now saying all that, I, I don't think that the interest in a uh, Tom Brady was mutual. And I, I think that you heard, like you phrased it the right way, Kyle, when you said, there was a lot made of Tom Brady's interest in the 49ers. Well, of course Tom Brady was interested in the 49ers. Tom, right. Tom, Tom Brady is from here. Tom Brady, if he's looking for a chance to win championships in his last couple of years, this is the perfect situation. That, that's not a surprise. But you did you never heard anyone who was on the four, you know, had 49ers sources who were verifying that they were actually interested. Now, did they probably have a conversation? Absolutely. I'm sure they did. If, sure, Tom, of course. if, if Tom Brady says he's interested in you, then you at least discuss it internally and, and talk about what the options are. But I don't ever think it got to a point where they felt like they had to, you know, tell Jimmy Garoppolo, hey, you're a guy. I think that conversation had already happened. I think what they said publicly kind of backed that up. So I, I still say all that to say I still think that there is going to be another year of Jimmy Garoppolo kind of having to prove himself. And look, quarterback is the most scrutinized position in sports it is the, the biggest prisoner of the moment position in sports where people are only going to remember what happened last with that quarterback and the unfortunate thing for Jimmy Garoppolo is the thing that happened last was he had a really rough quarter in the biggest moment of his career and of the season and that's unfortunate for him but I also think that there's a lot of ways that he can continue to get better if he could cut down on some of the interceptions and, and those things next year and the bad decisions I think that you're going to see him be the quarterback for the 49ers for a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm in that same boat. Just when you when you zoomed out and you you got outside of that championships are the only thing that that matter and how you perform in a championship is all that matters. Like that 115 minute sample size wasn't great, but the much larger sample size was pretty dang good for a guy in his first 16 games and moving off of a guy after he went 13 and 3 and put up the numbers that Garoppolo did, I, I feel like is, you know, we talked about good business earlier with the, mm -hmm. with the Buckner trade that feels like bad business. Yeah. And, and I think when you look at the kind of the trajectory of his season, 
it went about what you would hope it was if you were the 49ers. Now, I'm sure they would have liked to have done without the the five interception practice that everyone made such a huge deal out of. But yeah, sure. the, th- the thing that kind of gets lost in all this is that he was coming off of an ACL on top of it. So right. if you look at the way the season went, and I hear this argument all the time with, who are, with people who, who are just firmly in the camp that Jimmy Garoppolo can't get the job done. They, those people say, well, he was the last thing that got the Niners wins. You know, he was he was at the bottom of the list when you start listing off the things that made the 49ers good last year. And that's not necessarily true. What is true is that the team was very good all around and so that the first part of the season when he was coming off of his ACL and was still trying to get his legs under him, quite literally, the run game of the defense was dominant and carried the freight, but that was when it absolutely had to. And then when the, when the script flipped a little bit toward the end of the year and the defense was struggling. We mentioned it earlier when D Ford was hurt, Chikowski Tart was hurt, all those injuries were, were happening. Then they had to lean on Jimmy Garoppolo and he delivered, he delivered at big moments. And I know the Arizona game, uh, both Arizona games, he had big numbers in, but the new Orleans game and that Seattle game up there, he was very good at both of those games. Yeah. And without those games, let's just call it what it is. The Niners very likely don't make it to the Super Bowl. So uh, yeah. I think I think there's still there's still room for growth for him, which is a good thing. And at the top of that list is finding a way to cut down on those turnovers, those bad decisions where that once or twice a game, whether it turned into an interception or not, if he can cut down on that even by half, I think we're not even having this conversation anymore. Yeah, I'm happy you brought up that Seattle game because I think that one is the one that really gets overlooked a lot because he didn't put up monster numbers, but he went 18 of 22 for 285 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown or an interception, but like when you go back and you just look at how badly Niners quarterbacks had struggled in Seattle, getting that performance in that game was just, it was massive. And I feel like that one just got overlooked. So I'm happy that you brought up week 17. Yeah, in Seattle because well, that was maybe his best performance of the year. It did, and the kind of there was a little bit of a full circle to that too, because I think you, that a lot of people would argue the worst game that he had played before that point was the game against Seattle yep. in in Santa Clara, and yeah, we he did, he, he, yeah, and he didn't deliver at the end of the game when they win. But you know, when they go up to week seventeen, they're dominating that game in the first half. But you know, Seattle's going to make a run, and every time Seattle put up a score. The Niners answered, and a lot of that was Garoppolo and what he did in that second half in particular. So you have seen him deliver at big at, at big moments. Now you want to see him do it, of course, in that Super Bowl. And in an ideal world, he would have done it this past year. But having that experience under his belt is, is something that you can't really put a price on either. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today and receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, so before before we get you out of here, I want to I want to jump back to the draft real quick with this last question. You've got to put together a big board of five players <laughs> that you think are going to go at 13 or could conceivably go at 13. 
Uh, if you're the Niners, who are the five guys that you're hoping to realistically fall to that spot? Yeah, in I, order. I, in order. Oh boy. I, 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 now you're <laughs> no, just just any 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 five names well, that you've just, kind of circled in your brain. Just to make Biederman mad, all five of my choices are C.D. Lamb. So nice, all five, dude. All five. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't revealed that take on the pod yet. So breaking news: oh, Chris hates C.D. Lamb. <laughs> I did. I didn't know that. I know he's kind of made it clear. I've listened to the pods, so he's kind of made it clear he doesn't like him as as much as as other people. But yeah, let's he's, put he's like he's like he's like I haven't revealed my take yet, but uh, I, I'm gonna wait on C.D. Lamb. I'm still thinking about it. like all right. Yeah, you're hiding I, it. Let's put it this. Let's put it this way: If the Niners draft C.D. Lamb and Biederman has to put a grade on it, he's going to give him something between a C and a D. I think that's uh that's that's going to be that's that's going to be the way that's going to be the way Biederman goes. So a C uh, and a D, like C.D. I, that's yeah, great. yeah, it's that's it's good. that's, that's so there's good. there's levels to that joke, that's but I know such a high brow joke. As, as a pun aficionado, <laughs> I knew you of all people would enjoy that. You, yeah, you got to cater that. you got to cater to your audience sometimes. But no, in, in all seriousness, for me, I'm actually with you guys on the two guys that. I think, and I'm and I'm just talking about guys who I think realistically could be there because I think if Derek Brown falls, if Jeff Okuda falls, I think those guys should be right at the top of the list. I like Derek oh, Brown. Of course, I yeah. like Derek Brown a lot too. I don't think Biederman likes him that much, but uh, you know, I'm not that, sure he's a, a three tech, but you know, athletic defensive lineman, big athletic dudes are are good to have. Yeah, he's he's a monster. Uh, but 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 realistically, of the guys who could be there, I I think Jerry Judy. I, I mentioned it earlier. I, just watching him play. Uh, the routes that he runs, the, the different things you could do, and the way that he would complement what they already have, I think is is perfect. I think he'd be great. Uh, I'm a big Tristan Wirfs guy, and and I have been uh, for a while, actually. I, I watched a decent amount of Iowa football. Actually, A.J. Epinesa, the defensive end there, um, yeah. is from my hometown, and he went to my high oh, school. Nice. And, and, and they're, they're, it's great family and all that stuff. So I'd watch Iowa games here and there. But Wirfs is a guy who I was aware of partially because of that. And uh, I just think he's a great fit for what the Niners want. Uh, obviously, the Niners love those Iowa guys anyway. They get the work ethic. And those a lot of times, those are guys who weren't those highly rated recruits. They were the, like the three-star recruits who get made into these these star players because they have a great strength program, all that good stuff. I think I think Worfs would be a really good fit there. And then I think, I think you're looking at Javon Kinlaw is, is probably in that mix. C.J. Henderson, I mentioned him earlier. I personally have some questions about him, but I, I would at least kind of understand the, the line of thinking if they wanted to go that way is another one. And Henry Ruggs uh, and C.D. Lamb, the two receivers, I think, are guys that you would at least have to consider. My issue, I, I like Lamb. I like him better than, than, than Biederman does. Um, I think the question with him is you don't see him do a lot of the things that you have to do at the NFL level, so there's a little bit more projection involved. Uh, can he get off of press coverage? You know, Can he run the full route tree? Those kinds of things. And is he too redundant with what the 49ers have, particularly if a guy like Jalen Hurd comes back healthy? I still have questions about that, of course, with a, with a back injury. And then I look at Henry Ruggs and I say, Henry Ruggs would give them an element, that speed element that they don't have any anywhere else. And he's not just a speed guy. I know he gets pigeonholed that way, but if you watch him, some of the things that he can do with slants and things like that, I think would make him a good fit. So that's kind of the group that I think you're looking at most likely in that 13 range. I still think Worfs and Judy, it's probably unlikely that either one of them is there. Definitely not both. I feel confident yeah. saying that, but uh, if you're going to look beyond those two guys, then another couple names, I'd throw Jedrick Wills in there, although I'm not sure he's a left tackle long-term either, uh, but that's just kind of the way I look at this this class. I think it's going to be really interesting to, to see what the Niners do, because I think they're really kind of juggling, like we talked about this whole podcast, that idea of who's going to give us the instant impact, but who's also going to be long-term, a guy that we can build around. Yeah, I think 
I'm I'm very interested to see what they believe their needs are, and we've seen them kind of go uh, a different route than we were expecting before. Like in the Mike McGlinchey draft, like that that was a name mm-hmm. that hadn't come up until like two days before the draft. There was all this Mike McGlinchey buzz, so maybe they go a completely different direction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, like you said, this is a huge draft. And I, I think if they can get somebody who can contribute right away, that's, that's a big win for them. Yeah. And I, and I think the good thing for them is that if you're looking at the positions that we've talked about that they need, whether it's, whether it's receiver, it's defensive tackle, it's offensive tackle or offensive line. Like those are really good positions at the top. And so you're in a really nice spot where that, that, that marriage between need and value could really intersect at, at a point where, you know, at the 13th pick in the draft. And I think that's anytime you can get that, that's what you want. It's just yeah. a matter of who, who falls to them and what are some of the other kind of machinations around them that happen. Because I think I told Chris the other day, like as much as I love watching Jerry Judy on tape, I, I just still think at the end of the day, yeah, all those teams earlier need tackles and quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. But like, who's what's going to stop a team from trading into the top 10 to make sure they get that guy, you know, yeah, like Judy's and, really damn good. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's at the end of the day, there's still a value proposition here. Right. So, you know, you could look at a, a team like the Cardinals or the Browns or whoever and say, yeah, they need a tackle. Well, yeah, sure. They need a tackle. But if Jerry Judy's rate rated way higher on their board than whatever tackle falls to them, they're probably not going to pass on Jerry Judy. So yeah. uh, that's that's kind of the thing that I always caution people when, when you have the Judy conversation. But don't get me wrong. He would be an ideal fit. Dan Orlowski said it the other day on on our airwaves that if, if Jerry Judy falls to the 49ers, this was after I think Mel had had mocked uh, Jerry to Judy to the to the Niners. And he said if, if Jerry Judy falls to the 49ers, it's going to be a major problem for the rest of the league. And I think he's the kind of guy who's ready made to, to, to yeah. really be that impact guy right from day one. Yeah, and the Niners haven't had a ton of success drafting wide receivers, so uh, it feels like it feels like Judy might might break that streak. But read all about it on Niners Wire. Kyle's going to tell yeah, you all about their struggles doing that. Taking a deep dive, I'm delving into that. <laughs> He's in the uh, lab grinding. <laughs> I'm grinding so much Jason Hill tape. You have no idea. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey uh, Nick, this is awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I'm super happy we got to do this without Biederman. It was way more fun that way. Um, thank you, and and we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, I tell Biederman good luck with his salad. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I never talk to another man about his salad. But, <laughs> uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, later on this week. Going to have guests uh, leading up to the NFL draft. We've got Eric Crocker from Striking Gold coming on the pod. We're also going to have Matt Miller from Bleacher Report coming up uh, a little bit later in the week. So thank you, everybody. Everybody for listening, make sure to download, subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz, and we will talk to you later on in the week.